This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategycast. My name is Dale O'Donnell and I'll be your host just for a quick show on Monday morning. I spoke to Year and he's heading a museum which is based in Helsinki with Manchester United memorabilia, over 33,000 piece memorabilia. It sounds, sounds crazy but yeah, I'll be speaking to him shortly. Firstly, I'm going to run through some stories concerning Manchester United that are hitting the media around now. Over the weekend, we had Telegraph in Holland which broke a pretty big story on Donny van der Beek, the midfielder from Ajax. And they claimed that Manchester United first made contact in August of last year when they deemed the €40 million asking price was too excessive. Now, United were linked with a number of attacking midfielders at that time, um, one of them being Bruno Fernandes, and it, it, it turned out that he actually wasn't in their priority list, so they didn't make a move for Fernandes then. Then the story moves on to January, which they say there was contact with Manchester United as well. Now, Fernandez comes into this timeline again because obviously Manchester United signed Fernandez in January. But it does kind of suggest that they were in the market looking for an attack-minded midfielder. And that's maybe where Donny van der Beek came into play. But they didn't sign him. They went for Fernandez instead. So, where would Donny van der Beek fit into the system if he was to join Manchester United in the summer? I think that's the big question when... When you see these big names show up in the in the gossip columns, is it realistic is what I ask firstly. Has it come from good sources? Well, the Times are saying United are preparing to make a bid as well. So straight away I'm thinking, right, there's something to this. It's one to watch. But again, I can't really work out where he fits in the system. Because it might throw up a question mark over Paul Pogba. But again, who's going to buy Paul Pogba in the summer? We talk about this which year um, in, in a few minutes, but... Again, uh, with the coronavirus and, and the transfer window, big money is not going to be splashed on players that clubs don't really see as a necessity. And I look at Paul Pogba and look at the clubs he's linked with, Juventus and Real Madrid. Do they really need to spend over £100 million on Paul Pogba? I don't think so. So I think that's going to throw some doubt over this transfer. But also, you know, I've been heavily linked with Jack Grealish. 
And it depends very much, I guess, on whether Aston Villa survive the dogfight that happens to be at the end of the Premier League table. A number of teams, bottom six really, fight against the, the drop. If they go down... Villa could be in a very, very bad state in terms of losing best their best players. And Jack Grealish is definitely one that will be cherry-picked by one of the big Premier League clubs. And he's been long-linked with Manchester United. But I just see Donny van der Beek and Grealish. Maybe it's going to be one of them. The, any talk about James Madison has completely died. We don't, you don't see him linked with Manchester United as much. And if you do, it's from the Express or someone looking for a few clicks. That speculation is completely gone. Um, so Grealish, again, that speculation isn't as prominent as it was a few months ago before the pandemic. My thought was that's probably because Pogba's staying. And now you have Donny van der Beek being linked with the club. And you also have Ajax CEO, Edwin van der Zaar, former Manchester United goalkeeper, coming out saying today that there's a number of big clubs interested in Danny van der Beek, and he names Manchester United and Real Madrid. In fact, he, I have the quote here. He says, It's clear that clubs like Real Madrid and Manchester United are showing interest in Danny van der Beek. That's been um, translated from a Dutch source by the Daily Mail. You know, he, he's just turned 23, and I suppose he, it's the right time for him to make that move to a, to a bigger club. He's a development fielder, but he also has lots of experience, which is rare for a 23-year-old. We can't forget that before last summer, Ajax went on an incredible run in the Champions League, in which they reached the semi-finals to be knocked out by Spurs. But, but that, that Ajax team was an incredible incredible side you had two players Frankie de Jong who ended up going to Barcelona he had a pre-agreement so when he was playing the Champions League he knew he was going to be ending up at Barcelona but there was some speculation for some time he was linked with City and a few others as well but there's also Matthias de Litt a name that will be known to Manchester United fans because of the summer um, after that Champions League run he was linked with all the b- biggest clubs in the world and he went for a big fee to Juventus and I don't think he's kind of had a great season in Syria for his first year in Italy and there's been some question marks and even bizarrely some links to Manchester United with the, you think about it Juventus just spent massive money on a, a young promising captain captain material they're not going to cash in on him after a year so remember on Australian News we, we totally kind of debunked that as complete not a rubbish but Maybe for Van der Beek, he's looking at his former teammates and saying, right, well, I want a piece of that cake. It's time for me to move to a bigger club. And that's also where Real Madrid come into it, from Van der Zaar's quotes. The Times, who run a, run a story on, on the Beek to Manchester United rumours, um, state that he had a £55 million deal agreed with, with Real Madrid. The problem is the pandemic has caused Real Madrid into a bit of a, a flurry. They now realise they can't spend the money that they're proposing to spend. And that deal now looks to be not going to happen. Basically looks to be dead. And they're suggesting that Manchester could see this as an option to take advantage, to, to swoop in and get a player they've previously looked at. And a player that so much clearly, clearly rates. Now, he also rates Grealish clearly. So if it comes down to that, let us know who you think Manchester United should sign in the summer. I don't. I, I think right now we should be prioritising a, a defensive midfielder. I think if Pogba is to stay, we have Bruno Fernandes. How many midfielders are you planning to start? You know, would it would a midfield consistent of Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, and Danny Van der Beek be too light? You definitely offer a lot of creativity. But you haven't really got someone there that's known and renowned for breaking up play 
uh, and support in the defence. Bruno Fernandes is excellent. He doesn't just offer in the final third. He, his work ethic shows him all over the pitch. But I still think we need we would need someone more, a bit more steel. I think maybe a younger Nemanja Matic w- would be ideal. The, the one that we that seen, seen Chelsea win a Premier League title, and he suppose the sir played very well on the the other side of Christmas. He wasn't great for the first half of the season and was actually quite outspoken against Solskjaer and busy praising his former manager and best pal Mourinho. But after Christmas, we've definitely seen a spike in his form. But I do think, you know, you definitely need to plan for the future in that department that Matic cannot be expected to be that player throughout next season. Can Scott McTominay do it? There'll also have to be a role maybe for Fred, who before the pandemic was performing out of his skin. And as a result, United fans are actually quite fond of the Brazilian. I think he he caused lots of frustration after a big money move and just took time to adapt to the English game. The one thing I'd say about Fred is he hasn't ever dropped the head. He's always, always working hard. He's like a bee in midfield. He's constantly going, constantly agitating the opposition. And I think we've seen that in the... The last game at Old Trafford before the football football was halted uh, um, against Man City, he was absolutely exceptional in that game and a, a worker and someone who's popped up in the media today and I'll briefly mention before we go on to our interview of the year is Ander Herrera, who was who was kind of a player that United fans really really loved um, because he he wasn't he wasn't one of the best midfielders in the world he wasn't exactly booming of of world class ability. But his work ethic, he worked really, really hard. He was he was able to throw in the slight shoulder, he fought for the shirt, and he was he covered so much grass. And I don't think we have something too dissimilar in Fred and what he's developed what he's becoming. So we haven't we don't really miss out on on Herrera. And I don't think Fred is 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 better. I don't think he's better than Herrera. I think he's probably on the same, same page, but the encouraging signs are, are how fast he is improving. Still a lot of work need to be done when he's on the ball, he's passing and so on. But there's encouraging signs and we could have a very good midfielder developing and someone that when we're talking about transfer targets we're probably forgetting. But maybe within good reason too, United need quality, you need quality now. It's funny that we have Bruno Fernandes, Pogba, yet we're still being linked with Donny van der Beek and Grealish. I just don't see in a system how that's going to work. But look, I'd be pleasantly surprised if Solskjaer comes up with something, he's someone we have to trust. He's someone that I see, uh, as we talk about with the interview with year, that we see him as a long-term manager at Manchester United. and just has to be trusted. And his transfers to date have been pretty much nail on. They've all come in and had a positive impact on not only dressing room, but, but results. I think over time, Maguire has settled into his role as captain. And Wan-Bissaka defensively is one of the best full-backs in the Premier League. If not in Europe, he, he's an incredible defender. Um, and he's working on his, his game going forward, which he gets a lot of criticism for, and probably due to the, the the time in which we're in, because you have football. Football always develops. Remember a few years ago, people were going all out English clubs to buy the kind of little magician playmakers, the David Silvas, the Juan Matas, and players like that. Whereas now, a lot of the focus seems to be shifted due to the kind of the tactical persuasion of Jorgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola and, and the importance of fullbacks. You see Trent Alexander Arnold who who's now kind of transformed and made the right back role almost like right back slash playmaker. You know, he creates so many assists, I haven't got the number off the top of my head, but he he's like having a playmaker in defence. Gets up and down the line, early crosses and boom. Um so I think 
on that front, Wambasaka, he's so young. He'll develop, he'll get better at that side of his game, but defensively, I can't fault him. You look at Dan James, who the son, the son ironically claimed that after a brilliant first season at Manchester United, which I think expectation wise, he has had a brilliant season at Man United, that he will get a new contract and the response to that will be sending back out on loan next season because apparently Jadon Sancho's coming in. I can't see that. United need options. You can't just bring in Jadon Sancho in his first season at Manchester United and expect him to play every game and to basically carry the side in the right flank. That's not going to happen. You take Daniel James out of the squad, you send him on loan. Yeah, it might be beneficial to his development, but I, I think this season he's actually been overplayed. Um, and Soldier has, has admitted that, that he's played more games than what he had intended for him. And that, that comes from an over-reliance. That shows we're actually quite light in that department. So I don't see the sense in the Suns report saying that we get in Jadon Sancho and send Daniel James out on loan. No, that doesn't make any sense unless Daniel James is the one pushing for it, which I highly doubt. But so yeah, that's enough of my kind of Monday morning rant uh, about headlines concerning Manchester United. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the podcast and interview with Gier, who I, I asked him to come on the podcast two weeks ago when I seen his report on CNN about the museum in Helsinki. I'd advise you to go on, have a look at that on, online, to search the Red Room, Helsinki, CNN, and, into Google, and you'll see a video um, which contains footage of the museum itself with over 33,000 pieces of memorabilia, something he started collecting when he was 10, when he picked up a fake shirt. Um, there wasn't any official ones in his town at the time, so it's a nice little story about that. That shirt ended up getting stolen, unfortunately. So yeah, sit back, it's a shorter podcast this week. Um, you'll probably get through one cup of tea during this episode so we'll speak to you again on Thursday when I'm joined by Mike I'm delighted to be joined by Year A Fitterman a Manchester United fan from Finland who has a bit of a feature I suppose that was planned just before the pandemic and having a, a museum over in Helsinki so just to get a bit of background on that Year A how are you how are you keeping? Hi Dale all good I mean um, it's rainy day so Nothing that different from your side. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we were blessed with a bit of nice weather that past few weeks, but, but this week it's been pretty dull and um, just waiting for the rain to come. I suppose during all this pandemic, we've been making use of the back garden a lot more with the, the nice weather, but now we're kind of, we really are stuck indoors. But, but for being people stuck indoors, let's talk a bit about your museum. So yeah. it's based in Helsinki which is a, lo- a long distance away from Manchester. To be a bit more precise, it's nearly 1,800 miles from Manchester. So tell us a bit how, how you got started collecting Manchester memorabilia. Yeah, I think this is not the first thing and the first city that comes into mind when somebody has 33,000 items of United memorabilia. So it's uh, it has been a journey for me also. Um, 33,000? When did you start? <laughs> yeah, Um I think, um, like, when I was five years old, I started to play myself football, and uh, I loved Robbo back then, and I ended up to play with number seven myself, and uh, the love with the club started from there, and um, then moving a little bit forward, I think I was, like, ten years old or so, when I bought my first shirt, like, with my own money, and uh, this was bought from this small Finnish town called Puumala. And, uh, of course, it was a fake shirt because no one sells, like, on the marketplace mm. uh, in, in random town official stuff. Uh, but that was my first, like, my own item, uh, my first own shirt. And uh, 
then when I uh, started working and, and got some money, I started to spend more and more money on memorabilia. And uh, I, I think something like 15 years ago, I found all these amazing uh, fellow lads who collect and started to network with them. And I started to look into the British auctions. Uh, and uh, I think almost every week I, I have something coming uh, from UK to Finland nowadays. You so, mentioned you mentioned yeah. this kind of network and people that you were you were in touch with, people like-minded people who like collecting memorabilia. Are, yeah. are most of these people based in Manchester in the UK or is it worldwide? Now you have yourself based in Helsinki, so you're obviously a, a kind of a, a respected memorabilia collector based in Finland. So is it, is it worldwide now or when you started, was it mostly Manchester and UK? Yeah, of course, it started from, from the people in UK and, and um, also I have one, one really big uh, memory collector in Finland also, another one. So, But nowadays it's it's worldwide. Uh, I don't even know all the people in the Far East. I think they have nowadays like secret one, re- really big collections there. But uh, I know people from South Africa and US and around Europe. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worldwide. You briefly mentioned your first shirt and that it was a fake because it, back then in that particular town there was no official memorabilia. Have you still got that shirt? Actually, no. That's the saddest story I, I have. You know, it's a, we, we had this opportunity back then uh, in high school when there was like school dance, uh, like proms, and uh, you can kind of, kind of mix your, your suit and then also bring something personal. So I, I thought that I'd take that Beckham shirt out and uh, it was stolen. Okay. Okay, it was gone. stolen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that is a sad story. So you, you kind of you kind of give the impression there that your whole um your whole idea here with the museum was kind of inspired, or maybe even a bigger picture, your love for Manchester United was inspired by Brian Robson. Um, where did you play when you played? Did you kind of inspire? Did you want to be a centre midfielder because Robbo was one, or did you kind of drift to different pastures? I actually ended up to uh, be a striker uh, and I, I played a striker for at least 10-15 years. Nowadays I'm falling back to I'm playing as a right back or goalie. So. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Rob, Robbo was definitely one of the biggest uh, reasons to pick up the number seven. Before the pandemic struck, was the museum opened or was it prior to open shortly after? Yeah, we, we planned to have like uh, two different events here in Finland. One was uh, the official opening of, of Helsinki Red Room, which was an uh, invite-only event. And then we also uh, were arranging this Legends Night in Helsinki, which was uh, because we are going to have Robbo and Wes Brown, Lee Martin uh, and Ben Thorne here. Okay. So we have this um, sponsor, uh, a local hotel and uh, we were planning to have like 500 fans around the world here in Helsinki have all kind of like that was going to be the dinner. But also we plan to have all kind of su- surprise uh, stuff here uh, around Helsinki. And uh, it's still going to happen. But of course, we need to postpone because of the pandemic. Do you think there's any hope for it to happen before the end of the year? Um, of course, I hope so. But. Um, it's uh, depending because of people who already bought the tickets they are coming around the world so I don't want people who are attending to be kind of the ones who needs to cancel because of the situation in their country so yes. I'm wishing I'm wishing it's going to calm down around the world so that it's safe for everyone to come here that's it while 
with this pandemic, the tricky situation is now. I'm going to ask you in a second what, what it's like in Finland currently. But if you if you've been following the stories worldwide, it, every country in the world has it's at a different stage, and that's where I suppose organizing an event like this, where people come from all the the corners of the globe, it it's tricky. Um, how has it been controlled or even dealt with at the moment, or even the past few months? In Finland, how what how is COVID nineteen over there? Uh, our situation has been and is is really good. I mean, we reacted quite fast, and also I don't know how much you know about the Finnish mentality, but you know we love our own space. We are quite big country, but only five and a half million people. So we really love our personal space, and that how we are not uh, that close to each other when we speak and like that. So. Uh, it's kind of also a cultural thing that it didn't hit that hard on, on us. And also, we tend to be, we, we tend to obey really well when uh, the government says something. So we really have been, uh, the restaurants have been locked uh, and closed. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really good here if you compare to almost any other country. Would you say the people of Finland like their government? Yeah, I'd say so. See that, that that's 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 the interesting thing you mentioned that they they kind of they listen to the government and if if they like the government it's a lot easier. You look at other countries across the world and they're kind of the government is saying one thing and doing another and then the people kind of lose their trust for the for for the government don't take the orders anymore. So that might be an explanation as to why Finland seemingly has it under control because the people are happy to listen to their government. But but speaking of personal space, you mentioned that people in Finland do like their own personal space, but. Ironically, you must have very little personal space because <laughs> having thirty three thousand pieces of memorabilia lying around. So you decided, obviously, to move this memorabilia from your personal space and into in, into somewhere else. When did that decision come? When did the decision come to open an actual museum? I think it was uh, like five years ago when I decided that there is way too much stuff uh, in boxes around my own apartment and my parents' apartment <laughs> and at my office. It was like wild, wild west, you know, stuff coming in and just piling, piling on the corner of the different rooms. Uh, I decided that I want to have some kind of space to put this stuff out and see myself. You know, I haven't seen this, some of the stuff for 10 years or yeah. so between the box, boxes. So it started from there and then... Uh, one thing led to another, and I end up to rent this uh, 210 square meter space uh, in in Helsinki, and uh, you know it's 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 really big space. So I decided, why not? Let's do it uh, in in the proper way. And now you know I have my own personal private sports bar here with 15 seated stadium and like completely different museum rooms and hallways and. And even like this kind of manager meeting room here, so it's it's amazing. Do you plan with the, with that kind of seating arrangement um, to host maybe events weekly with games, or is, is that is that is that kind of something down the line? Yeah, of course. You know, um, I have a lot of friends here supporting United, uh, so we do watch the games together. So this is the ideal uh, place to watch the games. Uh, but what comes to kind of opening up this place uh, for bu- public, it's not going to happen so, because of, uh, of course, yeah. uh, it's it's a fortune I have spent for this stuff. And I don't want to kind of be the tour guide every day. I, I want to keep it kind of secret and enjoy it with small groups and, you know, people around the world and uh, people like, uh, for example, you, you know, if you come to Finland, of course, it's 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 uh you're going to be here. Uh, I'm going to 
take you from the airport and then we're gonna enjoy some local beer and you know <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like i'm booking my next holiday um, welcome <laughs> so you, you speaking of, of traveling and manchester united you're you're like me in terms of I, I I was born in Ireland. That's where I live. So if I have to if I want to go to a game, I have to get on a flight, um, book accommodation, and, and so on. How often do you get to games every year, or do you get every year? Yeah, yeah. Um, I travel uh, three to five times a season, uh, which means I'm I'm going to see always something from three to ten games. Yeah. Uh, it's only two and a half hour flight from here to Manchester, straight flight, so it's quite easy. The local local um, Finnair flies straight, so it's it's really easy for us. And uh, yeah, it's I, I hope I'd see more. And I'm I'm planning even to buy buy a apartment there. You know that you don't need to rent a place every time. So it's definitely going to be at least that number. But I'm I'm hoping it's going to be a lot more because we start some cooperation with the local companies and and with uh, hopefully with the club at some point. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I think it's great. I think it's something that we should really celebrate is that we have fans across the world and people take, you know, they they take it. It costs a lot of money for some people to get to Manchester. I'm not talking about Reds in in Australia and America. And you know, there's there's also kind of a sense on social media sometimes that some people kind of feel elitist because they they're lucky enough to be from Manchester. But I think this, this is something we should really celebrate. Um, Scandinavian Reds. If you go to Old Trafford, you, you, you see so many of them. They, they they travel in their flocks and stuff, and it should be something that's, that's celebrated. Um, for you, Jir, suppose what's your favorite kind of what's your favorite highlight of a match day experience when you come over to Manchester? Uh, do you mean like what has been the the highlight or overall? What, what what's your favorite aspect of going aspect, to a match yeah. that day? Um, of, of course, it's, it's uh, the thing that you see, the Red family. I mean, I, I don't only travel because of the games, but I also travel uh, the fan events around the world, like to Malta or, or even in Manchester, uh, people do arrange a lot of stuff there. So it's always uh, the first thing is to see your Red family and, and speculate all the stuff and, you know, catch up and then... Uh, when the when the game is on, you forget everything else. Then you you're just 90 minutes uh, at the stadium, entering the game, and then you return with your red family to local pub or so. So I, I I think it's the people around the club, and even within I have some friends within the club. So I think the people is the answer for me. We're speaking on the 8th of June 2020, and I suppose at the start of this year, maybe a bit before then, the end of 2019. If you mention that he got a social to a lot of United fans, they would be saying that they they weren't sure about him. That there was talk of Pochettino, that talking that that speculation of Pochettino as things stand is is non-existent, which which comes from the form the Manchester United had just prior to the pandemic, with eleven games unbeaten. Solskjaer seemed to be getting some rhythm in the team with the arrivals of Bruno Fernandez and the loan deal with Odin Gallo. Right now, here. Are you firmly behind Solskjaer? Do you believe he's he's a long-term Manchester United manager? Do you believe we want to win Premier League titles with him? Where do you stand on the whole managerial front? You know, Dale, for the f- very first day when Ole Gunnar came, I, I thought that he's the right man for the job because of uh, uh, the, the first thing he said was he's going to uh, re- uh, give us back our culture and the respect for the club and... Uh, if you think about in, in the history how Sir Matt Busby or Sir Alex Ferguson has done it, buying like young local lads and, and creating the team 
right kind of team. I think uh, Ole Gunnar has done just that. And of course, the, the, it's going to be uh, years and years before we see the, the actual results from, from building up a complete new team. But I, I have loved everything he has done. And of course, there's ups and, ups and downs. So don't get me wrong, I don't wait him to win all the time, but uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% behind him. I think what's interesting too is we, we, we appointed a very, um, I suppose, inexperienced manager, totally out of the loop when it comes to managing a monster like Manchester United. But the I suppose the enjoyable aspect of this journey is that he's constantly learning as he yeah. goes on. And... I think the work he's done so far, considering he is out of his depth completely, anyone in his position would be, it's the biggest job in football. But considering the job he's done so far, he's done remarkably well. You mentioned, to add the kind of respect back to Manchester United, you mentioned the, the kind of philosophy Matt Busby had and, and Sir Alex Ferguson. The team right now is a very, very likeable bunch of footballers who, who I'm really proud to say they're Manchester United players. But 12 months ago, I wasn't. I wasn't because... Yeah. The, the 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 dressing room was completely kind of really tired of 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 being kind of messed around with previous managers Van Gaal, Mourinho who who didn't have who, who kind of with their management the players ended up losing the respect they had for Manchester United I believe it it, it wasn't a nice place to be um I think a lot of players fell out with managers they, they weren't happy but right now the, the, it looks like the team as a whole is working towards something again. And with the likes of Rashford and, and McTominay coming into their own and building their own kind of influence on, on the team, Solskjaer has done really well, really well. And I, I, I do think it's a long-term thing. But you, you mentioned something important. You don't expect them to win the whole time. And I don't think you know you can appoint any manager in the world right now with the current team, with the team in transition, that you'd expect to win every game. And Solskjaer, if he doesn't get top four, there will be questions asked. But... We have to look at the bigger picture, don't we? Yeah, we do. And uh, like you said, the, the dressing room was kind of lost. And you remember all those Chessy and Marcus having those social media uh, stuff, which which end up to the headlines. I think that wasn't the, it, it wasn't it was kind of a, a way to talk about stuff uh, outside of the football to concentrate what are these guys doing in social media because of the football itself and the dressing room, everything was kind of a little bit lost. So now, when everything is uh, piece by piece, step by step, uh, getting together, you know, guys respect each other, they respect the club, uh, the badge. Suddenly, there is no social media headlines anymore. Just before we go, I want to ask about Paul Pogba. Yeah. And, and your views on Paul Pogba, you mentioned social media there. He's someone who's very active on there and he hasn't been very active on the pitch this season. But there is a sense with COVID-19 and about, it's about to impact or affect the, the transfer market. There's a very, very good chance that he will stay at Manchester United next season. And not ideal for him, I don't think. I think last summer he would have he would have left if, if the right offer came in. He wanted to leave. And I believe he'd, he'd like to leave now. But he might not be able to get that move because clubs can't spend the money that they previously spent. And I think Real Madrid and, and Juventus and even the media are kind of starting to die down with their interest in Pogba. Do you believe there's a way back into the hearts of Manchester United fans for Pogba? Do you believe that if he comes back, can he get his mind in the right place? And in order to do so, do you think he needs to get rid of Mino Raiola? Because he's created so much tensions 
with Manchester United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and himself, and just inflicted so much neg- negative publicity on the club through his own doing. And I think Pogba got a lot of stick for that. And people might say Riola is the best agent in the world. But I, I feel looking back at the story, he, he, he threw Pogba under the bus a number of times this season. And a lot of the hate, maybe not hate, but dislike the United fans have for Pogba in the past 12 months stems more from Raiola than it does from the player himself. Yeah, I think uh, Raiola is kind of the cancer of the football nowadays. I, 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 I'm uh, pretty sure that without Raiola, Pogba would be more uh, in our hearts, you know, in, in fans' hearts. If Pogba would want to be a like fully respected member of our squad again, I think he, of course, needs to say it out loud and stop being that silent about it. And also, he's, he needs to start performing, you know, show that he loves the club, show that he wants to play in this club. Uh, that is the easiest way, but of course, that needs him to start working. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think, I, th- I think what you mentioned there is so important all, behind all this, is that he will remain silent. He's let his agent come out and do the talk, and soldiers even had to reply in press conferences to, to his agent, who, by the way, soldier doesn't need to answer anything. To Mina Riola or any exactly. football agent for, for that matter, he deals with Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba is his player, and I know Riola, Riola came out and said, "Oh, he's not Man United's player. He is. He's under contract. He's Manchester United footballer, and that's who he answers to." Riola does should be doing the other work, um, bits away from football and look after Pogba and look after his best interests. But as we've seen in the past with Riola, and he looks after so many of the biggest players in the game. For him, it's about getting that player to as many big clubs as possible, the more bigger deals, it fills his back pocket. And at the end of the day, that's all he cares about. And I do know it would be difficult for Pogba to, to leave Riola. I don't think he will. I think he's, he, they get on very well. They have a lot of respect for one another and he knows Riola is one of the biggest in the game. But him being silent and not coming out and giving his side of the story when he was actually given the opportunity to do so on the official United podcast, which there was no question about Riola on, but he had the chance to do that then and to, you mentioned, kind of display his love for Manchester United. He didn't do it. He, he, hasn't, yeah. he hasn't done that. So I think we're, we're waiting months for that to happen, maybe even over a year at this stage. It hasn't happened. So I think we need to realise too, maybe Pogba doesn't love Manchester United because if he did, we'd know about it by now. And his performances when, when the league resumes are going to be vital in terms of the support he'll get from United fans because if he doesn't perform, and, 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 and there's more episodes created by Soldier having to take him out of the team. Let's not forget, we have midfielders before the pandemic who were performing well. Fred, McTominay, Matic, they were all playing really well. We were winning games. No reason to disrupt that. But Pogba's a special player. And if he does come back into the team and he doesn't perform well or produce the figures that Bruno Fernandes is helping every player with, there's going to be problems. And it's, it's probably going to be a problem for, for Solskjaer more than anyone else because... No one's going to buy Pogba this summer. Yeah, you know, it's a um, matter of if somebody uh, puts on United shirt and, and goes uh, to the field of Old Trafford, I, I'm behind every player. You know, it, it's our player until the point they aren't. So, so yeah, I, I'm not keen into the stuff he's doing and act and indeed not what he's not doing. Uh, but until the point he's not our player, um, I, I, I always back our players and... Uh, I definitely am not backing up Raiola, but, but uh, until the point Pogba uh, signs to another team, I just need to have faith that he's going to 
return and, and make his magic and, you know, showing off the love at Old Trafford. So let's hope that uh, he will change our minds uh, at the end of this season. Absolutely. And I think anyone as well that, that's overly critical of Pogba, um, there's a lot of hate on social media, as I keep referring to. But I think everyone, every Manchester United fan, no matter what you think of, of Pogba, you want you want him performing. You want him at his best. And if he can come back, do that. I don't think there's a Man United fan that wouldn't be happy. Um, especially when, when when I call out players or anything, I, I, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong. Um, yeah. You know, for, for the better Man United, of course. Before we go... Um, can you give us some inf- more information, maybe how people can get in contact with you and, and, and the Red Room, the museum, that that it just sounds remarkable? Of course. Uh, I'm actually opening up uh, our new uh, homepage uh, this week. It's just going to be like HelsinkiRedRoom.com. I, I have my uh, email details there if somebody wants to add something and some pictures. And, and also, because of the global attention we have received, I, I have also links to different kind of articles. So I think that's going to be the easiest way. And uh, also, because my name is quite hard to pronounce for, for people not in, in, in Finland, so I also answer uh, quite fast in Twitter. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have my social media details at helsingiredroom.com uh, latest uh, end of this week so I think that's the easiest way keep an eye out for the Strutty News Twitter feed too we'll, we're going to send a link out to that when, when Year launches the website so you can get your information there once it's launched um, Year thanks so much for joining me on the Strutty cast I, I hope you, you enjoyed your appearance but we'll, we'll definitely have you back maybe discuss matters related to United because um, f- for your first appearance I don't know how many podcasts you've done you've done a good job Thank you, Dale, and it, it was my pleasure, and uh, anytime, I'm ready. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.